0: of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every freeman, hid themselves in the dens, and in the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, from the wrath of the Lamb. The great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it. From whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. There was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. They were judged, every man, according to their works. Death, death and, and hell, hell were, were cast into the lake of fire. Lake of fire. This, this is the second death. death. And whosoever, whosoever was not found not written, written in the book of, of, of life was cast into the lake of fire.
1: Sit a man, where you going to run to sit a man? Where you going to run to sit a man? Where you going to run? To all of Judgment Day Sinner Man Where you you gonna gonna run run to Sinner Man Where you you gonna run to Sinner Man Where you gonna run to all of Judgment Day The rock rock, rock was rock a mountain, run to the rock, rock was a mountain, run to the rock, rock was a mountain. mountain, all, all on judgment day. day. Run to the sea, she it was it a ball and run to the sea, she was a ball. ball and run to the sea. He was a boy in all on Judgment Day. Run to the moon, moon was a bead and run to the moon, moon was a bead and run to the moon, moon was a bleeding all on Judgment Day. Run to the Lord, Lord won't you hide, Lord. Lord, you hide me? Run to the Lord, Lord will you hide me? Run to the Lord, the Lord won't hide you all on Judgment Day. Run to the devil, devil was alive, and run to the devil, devil was alive, and run to the devil. devil the devil was a laughing all on Judgment Day Sinner Man, you oughta been a praying Sinner Man, oughta been a praying Sinner Man, you, you, you oughta been a praying Before Judgment Day In a man should have found Jesus, sinner man. Should have found Jesus, sinner man. Should have found Jesus too late, it's a judgment day. Too late, it's a judgment day. Too late, it's a judgment day. Too late, it's a judgment day.
0: The Son of Man shall send forth His angels. They shall gather out of His kingdom all things that offend them which do iniquity. They shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear.
1: Late, it's a judgment, day. Late, it's a judgment Day. Too 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 late, it's a judgment day. Are you ready for a judgment day? 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 Too late, it's a judgment day. Too late, it's a judgment day.
0: Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27 and as it is appointed unto men once to die but after this the judgment I want to ask you right now are you ready for the judgment are you ready to stand before God the Bible says in 2nd Thessalonians chapter 1 verses 7 through 9 the Lord Jesus Christ shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels In flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Are you prepared as the prophet Amos said to meet your God to give an account to your very creator. Are you ready for judgment day. Are you ready to stand before your maker. The Bible goes on to say in Malachi, chapter 4, verse 1, For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts. You will one day stand before God. You will one day give an answer and an account to your Maker. I want you to know today that you have an appointment that you cannot break nor miss, nor reschedule. You have an appointment with God. Judgment Day. I want you to know in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 31 that it says it is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. The judgment of God is at hand. There is coming a day of reckoning, a day of harvest. For the Bible says God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that also shall he reap. If he soweth to his flesh, he shall reap destruction. But if he soweth to his spirit, he shall reap eternal life. The judgment of God is at hand. Are you ready? Are you ready for that day, that fearful day, when you will stand before God? You might say, I don't believe that. I don't believe that there is a judgment day. I don't believe that there is even a God. Or I don't even believe in the word of God, the Bible. Well, sir, I'll tell you right now that you are deceived because the Bible says, let every man be a liar, but the word of God be true. The Lord Jesus Christ himself proclaimed heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word, it shall never pass away. The word of God shall come to pass. The word of God shall certainly come to pass. Have you ever heard of the fool and the gravity? The fool that proclaimed that there was no such thing as gravity. Who said that I will defy all laws of gravity. And that fool marched downtown one day. And all along his journey he proclaimed boldly. Boldly he proclaimed that there was no such thing as gravity. And that he believed not in the laws of gravity. And he found and sought out the tallest building in downtown. And he went on the elevator and he went to the top floor of that building. And as he marched to the side of that building, 50 floors above the ground, he stepped on the side of that building and loudly proclaimed to all that had gathered below, There is no gravity, and this day I will defy the law of gravity. And that fool stepped off the side of the building, and even as he plunged to his death, with boldness and with surety, he proclaimed with a loud voice, And with confidence, there is no gravity, there is no gravity, there is no gravity. But my friend, I want you to know it only took a few seconds before he came in contact with the stark, cold reality of the law of gravity. And I will proclaim to you today that whether you believe the word of God or not, whether you believe there is a judgment day or not, it will still come to pass. You will one day stand before God. You are on a collision course with the judgment of God. And you might say, even if there is a judgment day, God is certainly too kind and too sweet and too loving to cast someone to hell into hell. Well, I will say to you that you are deceived again. You are an error, my friend. Because listen to the words of our Lord Jesus Christ in Luke chapter 12, verse 5. But I forewarn you whom you shall fear. Fear him. Which after he hath killed, hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Again, the word of God goes on to say that many will stand before God that day. And he shall say, depart from me, ye who work iniquity or sin. And he shall cast many into the lake of fire and brimstone. The Bible says that many, many will go to hell. And you might say, I don't believe that. I don't believe that most people will go to hell. I believe most people will be saved. Again, sir, you need to search the scriptures and seek the truth. For Jesus Christ again said in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 14. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be, many there be, which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate. And narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few there be. He said few there be that find it. Most people will go to hell. And few people shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But I say it's not because it's the will of God. The Bible says in Second Peter chapter 3. That it is the will of God. That all men should come to repentance. That none should perish. That is the will of God. That's why God sent his son Jesus Christ to die. To be the sacrifice for our sins. Jesus died for you and I. Jesus died so that we would not have to go to hell, but that we could be set free from the curse of sin. The Bible says that there would come forth a child, the Messiah, and his name would be Jesus. And he would save his people from their sins. Look what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 3. In those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of God is at hand. For this is he that was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And that's exactly what this tape is all about. This is a voice from the wilderness speaking to you, commanding you to repent as God in the book of Acts commands all men everywhere to repent and believe the gospel. This is the voice of God speaking through me to you. The gospel of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians that the preaching of the gospel is foolishness to those who perish. The Bible says in that same chapter that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching. That men might hear and believe and be saved. In Romans chapter 10 verse 14. We see it says, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him? of whom they have not heard and how shall they hear without a preacher God has sent me and ordained me and called me to put my testimony and the preaching of the word of God down on on tape that you might hear it and the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ might be heard by you that you might be set free from sin that you might believe on the name of the son of God and be delivered from sin what I'd like to do is share with you a story A story about a man that was bound by sin. A story about a man that was not ready for the day of judgment. A story about a man that was weak and sick and miserable and unclean. A man that had rebelled against God. A man that had rejected the word of God and rejected the love that God had offered through his son Jesus Christ. A man that was very low. that was on the verge of death and destruction but that same man jesus christ saved and set free and it is not a testimony of that man but it is the testimony of jesus christ and that man is me the man who jesus christ set free is me and what i'd like to do is share with you my story of what jesus did for me my testimony if you would if you look in Revelation chapter 12, in verse 11, it says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They overcame who? They overcame the evil one, Satan, who has deceived the whole world, the Bible says. The Bible says, If our gospel be hid, it be hid from them that are lost, whose eyes and minds are blinded by the God of this world. And the God of this world is the prince of the air, Satan, who is cast out of heaven from, by God. And he is deceiving the whole world today and blinding the eyes of the wicked and the sinner from the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. But the Bible says that the saints overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And as I tell my testimony, the testimony that Jesus Christ set me free from a, a life of sin and misery, A life of desperation and emptiness. And as I plead the blood of Jesus over you, the listener, people are going to be set free. The veil of deception will will be rent. So I want to go to the Lord in prayer and pray over you and pray over this tape. Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I come to you, Father, boldly and with confidence, Father, for I am washed and cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. I claim the blood of Jesus, I plead the precious blood of Jesus over this tape, over every listener, Father, even those that would listen, Father, years from now. After this tape has been recorded and put down on tape, Father, I plead the blood over their ears. I plead the blood of Jesus over their body, soul, and spirit. I plead the precious blood of Jesus. Father, I thank you for the anointing, Father. Wherever that person is that is listening to this tape, Father, I ask that the Spirit of God would fill that room and fill that place and would fall upon that individual. The fear of God, the conviction of the Holy Ghost upon that soul that hears the Word of God. Let the Word of God, Father, do its work, Lord God. As As your word anointed, Father, can break the yoke of bondage. For it is the Spirit of God, not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit of God. It breaks every yoke of bondage. And I command the spirit of religion and religious error to be broken off that person in the name of Jesus. I bind religion and deception in Jesus' name. The veil of deception is rent in the name of Jesus. Satan, you shall not stop the word of God. The word of God shall not return void, but it shall accomplish what is pleasing to the Lord. And I pray, Father, for the mighty anointing. I pray, Father, for a move of your spirit, Lord God. Bless and anoint this word, Father. And I pray that it bring many, Father, to repentance in Jesus' name. You know, there's two types of classes or, or groups or, or of individuals. Or two types of sects or realms that all humanity, past, present, or future, can be divided into. What are those groups? What are those uh, classes? Number one, there are those that are followers of Jesus Christ. Number two, there are those... Who are not followers of Jesus Christ. You know our natural mind. Our temporal thinking. uh, Our culture says there are many other sects and realms of society. There are those that make a lot of money. Those that don't. Those with black skin. Those with yellow skin. Those with white skin. Those with red skin. But you know God doesn't see that. All that God sees through the eyes of eternity. Are those that follow Jesus. And those who do not. Those that are in the kingdom of light and those that are in the kingdom of darkness. Those that are born again and those that are born in sin. Those who allow God and Jesus Christ to govern their lives and those who govern their own lives. What do you mean? What are you saying? What I'm saying is if you look at the scriptures and you look what Jesus said, he distinctly and descriptively described a price to be paid to be a Christian he asked his disciples going by Peter and James and the other disciples as they were fishers and said follow me if you look at Matthew chapter 16 verses 24 through 26 look what the word of God says then said Jesus unto his disciples if any man will come after me let him deny himself take up his cross and follow me for whosoever will save his life shall lose it And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what does it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Oh, listen to what the the Lord was saying. What will you give in exchange for your soul? The book of James says your life is but a vapor. It is like a vapor. It appears for a moment and then it vanishes. It dissipates. Your life on the scale of eternity is like a spark. Looking through the eyes of eternity in a billion years, it will not matter if you were black or white or red or yellow or purple. It will not matter the color of your skin or your race. It will not matter your accomplishments in this life. It will not matter if you made lots of money or no money. It will not matter if you were educated or undereducated. It will not matter if you were considered attractive or unattractive. None of the feats or accomplishments or fame or fortune that you accumulated in this life will matter. You know when that man, that first man to walk up on the moon, was viewed by millions on television, that was considered a great feat, a mighty feat, a great accomplishment for mankind and the human race. And those men and that man was lauded with praise for being the first man to walk upon the moon. But I want you to know in eternity, in a billion years, they will not be concerned about who the first man was that walked upon the moon. But they will be bowed down to the creator of the moon. I tell you, none of those things matter. The only thing that matters in eternity is did you follow Jesus Christ in this life? Did you serve and worship the creator? Were you born again and washed in the precious blood of Jesus Christ? Or did you reject the love that God offered you through his son, Jesus? Did you choose your own way and make yourself God and reject Jesus Christ as Lord, your personal Lord of your life? And you know, those two groups of individuals, the believers and the unbelievers, the followers and those who do not follow. The latter group, those that do not follow Jesus, can be further divided into two different groups. Those who admit that they're not Christians. Those who admit that they do not follow Jesus. And then there are those who are deceived and say they are Christians, but are not. Those who say they are believers, but are unbelievers. Those who proclaim to have Jesus as Lord, but they themselves are actually running their own lives. What are you saying? What are you saying? Do I have to live a certain way to be a Christian? or there, Is there a certain lifestyle or standard Can I perform works and earn my salvation? No, that's not what I'm saying. But the word of God explicitly says that a Christian will be different. He will be separate from the world. He will live holy. Holiness is a byproduct of Jesus. Don't tell me that you have Jesus Christ in your soul, the creator of the universe. Don't tell me that you have the same God that made the moon and the stars that hang in the noon sky. Uh, The same God that told Moses, stretch out your rod and the whole ocean split wide open. The same God that said, Lazarus, come forth. And the dead man walked, walked out of the grave. Don't tell me that you have that same God and you're not different. If that God resides within your body, my friend, you shall be different and everybody will know it. Look at what the word of God says in first John chapter two, verses three through four. And hereby we do know that we know him. If we keep his commandments, he that saith I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. Look what our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ said in chapter 7 of Matthew verses 16 through 20. Even so, this is the Lord speaking, even so every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in that name? And in thy name have we not cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor idolaters, nor effeminate nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Look at the book of Revelations, chapter 21, verse 8. But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and saucers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. The word of God is very explicit on this, that a Christian is holy. His lifestyle emulates Jesus Christ. And Jesus flowing through an individual is life. And where there is life, there is holiness. For the wages of sin is death, but life is godliness. I want you to know the Bible is very explicit. It says, how shall you partake? Of the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. The Bible says, how shall you drink of the cup of the Lord and cup of devils? You cannot do it. The Bible says, bitter water and sweet water does not flow from the same well. The Bible says, be ye separate, come out from among them, touch not the unclean thing, and then I shall receive you, saith the Lord. The Bible says, have no fellowship with the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but rather reprove them. I want you to look quickly at Revelation chapter 3, verse 16. Where Jesus Christ is speaking. And he says, I word you hot or cold. But because you are lukewarm, I will vomit or spew you out of my mouth. And thus, the three classes of individuals. The hot, the cold, and the lukewarm. The believer, the unbeliever, and the hypocrite. And I want you to know in my testimony, in my life, in every period, in every moment of my life, every breath that I took, I was in one of these three conditions. You who is listening to this tape, you are in one of these three conditions. Every human being that has ever walked the planet of the earth, who's ever drawn breath and oxygen in their lungs, has been in these three conditions. And all throughout my life. I was one of the other. I've walked the, the mill of the sinner. Of the unbeliever. I've carried the load of sin. And totally rejected the idea of a God. Or at least the God of the Bible. And rejected the idea of repentance. And being born again. And following Jesus Christ. And I've walked the way of the hypocrite. And, and proclaimed Jesus as my Lord. But truly in my heart, not surrendering, truly in my heart, still bowing down to idols of selfishness, not forsaking sin and not following Jesus, but rather just occupying a church pew, calling the name of Jesus, but never no miracle or deliverance from salvation, from sin, no salvation, no true repentance, no miracle working of the power of God to set me free from sin. I was raised in a, in a home that believed the Word of God. From my very youth, as a small child, I was taught that the Bible was the Word of God. I went to church every Sunday. I went to Sunday school. I went to the main service. On Sunday evenings, I went to training union. I went to the main service at night. I was usually part of the choir. On Wednesdays, I went to the midweek service. I read the Bible, I prayed, I prayed over my food, I believed that Jesus was the son of God, I I believed that, and I was raised in that type of environment, and I thank God for that, I thank God that I was taught at least that the Bible was the word of God. And as I was growing up, I grew up here in Baton Rouge at a very young age, between possibly eight or ten years of, of age. At a crusade, I walked forward and said a prayer and accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I don't know if I accepted Him as Lord, but I accepted Him as Savior. And in that childlike faith, God dealt with me. And He did move in my life. And and Jesus was revealed to me and the Scriptures were open to me. But because I really didn't have an example to follow. Because I really didn't have anyone really living Jesus. Really excited about Jesus. Living before me. It wasn't soon before I was backslidden. It wasn't long before I was back in the world. And because I sat under truth, and because I continued to go to church, and because I was uh, continued to be active in the youth groups and in the youth camps and every facet of the, of the church, and I constantly heard the Word of God, I was hardened against the gospel. And those desires for sin, and those desires, those wicked desires within my nature, begin to be excited and inflamed. But because it was because I sat under truth. You know, you must be warned of what Jesus said in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4. He said, Take heed what ye hear. With what measure ye meet, it should be measured to you. And unto you that hear, shall more be given." For he that hath to him shall be given, and he that hath not from him shall be taken, even that which he hath. But because I wouldn't hear the word of God, because I wouldn't heed it. Amen. You understand what I'm saying? I sat in churches and heard the truth, but I did not take heed. I did not take heed to the word of God. I didn't obey the word of God. I didn't surrender to the word of God. And because of that, I was turned over to deception. And I continued to go to church and continued to profess Christianity. But my life was filled with sin. And I, my heart was filled with the love and hunger for sin. At a very early age, I was introduced to pornography. The boys around where I live, the boys in my neighborhood, introduced, to me, introduced me to all types of pornography. The playboys, the penthouse, the filth, the smut, even hardcore pornography. And I was turned over to perversion. At a very early age, the devil shackled and chained me in that type of perversion. From even the sins of masturbation on up to things that would be unlawful for me to speak. Things that are so dark and so wicked. It would not do anyone any benefit for me to share. I'm not proud of those things. But I thank God for God's forgiveness. I thank God that I... uh, was to come to the Lord Jesus Christ and be washed and cleansed of those things but from an early age I was in bondage to that type of thing and I participated in those things up until the time that I was saved at an early age I was introduced to alcohol and drugs Uh, even uh, as young as an early teenager I began to sneak out at night and drink with other other boys in my neighborhood my parents unaware and at night I'd sneak out and put pillows under, the, under my bed covers and look like I was still in the, in, the, in the room asleep. And I'd sneak out and roam the neighborhoods at night. Drinking. Living in rebellion. Being influenced by the music of the day. Rock and roll and, and the rebellious attitudes of that music. Filled with sensuality and lust. That music also having a great effect on my life. A, a hatred for authority and for discipline and for order. And my schoolwork suffered. I was undisciplined. My attention span was. Uh, I had no attention span. And in school, I, I did little more than just barely make it, just skimmed by. I had no discipline, no desire, no motivation. I was empty. I had no peace. I didn't know what I was going to do in life. But I had become deceived. And what I had rejected and turned away from, that was the very thing that I needed. That was the very thing that would set my life in order. But I was hardened against the gospel. I turned my back on Jesus Christ and began to seek in the world. I set my eyes upon the world and I began to look to and fro and taste everything that came my way. I tried this and I tried that. I continued to go down the road of debauchery and drunkenness. And when I entered high school, I was an athlete. I became popular, very popular in the school that I was in. I was an athlete and was able to earn starting positions on some of the athletic teams. Uh, I was a part of the in crowd, so to speak. I was uh, athletic and I I lifted weights. I was considered to be a a, a nice looking young man. It wasn't long before I was dating girls and I I entered into relationships that were they were ungodly and began to participate in fornication. That means sex outside of marriage. At 15 years of age, I lost my virginity and used a young lady, used her like a pound of bacon with no respect that she was a, a creation of God. No respect for her body. I used her for my own desires and lust. And I began to date that girl and I used her throughout my high school years and and. Entered into a relationship of fornication, which is rebellion against God and perversion. I continued to, uh, to live a lifestyle of drunkenness. On the weekends, I, I began to drink more and more. But you know, every Sunday morning, I was in church. Every Sunday morning. Sometimes, I would still be hungover and, and could barely stay awake through the sermon. I continued to participate in the youth groups and in the choirs. But all the time, I lived a double life. I lived a life where I love sin. But if you would have come to me and challenged my Christianity, I would have been enraged. I would have been furious that someone would challenge my Christianity. I walked in total darkness and was deceived. You know, the Bible says this is the condemnation. That light, you know, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Light has come into the world. And men prefer darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. And my deeds were certainly evil. And I continued down the road of of perversion and drunkenness. Continuing down the road of sin. When I graduated from high school, I graduated with the distinction of being one of the class favorites. One of the more popular individuals in the senior class. But you know I didn't have any peace. And I didn't have any purpose. And I didn't have any direction in life. I didn't know what the real meaning of life was, and I began to hunger. My heart began to hunger and thirst. A curiosity began to rise within me. What is life all about? Is life simply just to be born and to live our lives and then to die and pass away? And there was an emptiness inside that I began to recognize and I began to sense. And I set my sights on college and I moved away and went to a smaller college in northern Louisiana I went to a place where it was dry in other words they didn't sell alcohol there at all and it was a very dull lifestyle and I began to to search and to, to seek into I spent many hours alone I spent many hours playing basketball alone and thinking and pondering life And I would drive to the next parish and and buy liquor and cigarettes and spend many hours and many days drunk, pondering, pondering my life and my situation. And although I made fairly good grades that first uh, quarter that that I was in, in college, I set my sights on coming back to LSU. I thought my problem was I had left home. And I'd gone to a small college where there was nothing to do. And I I set my sights on coming back to LSU, the big university, where there'd be plenty of activities and sports and the, the big LSU football games and the big LSU basketball games and the bar rooms and the women. So I set my sight again on moving, running from my problems, seeking peace here and there, tasting after everything of the world. And I began to slide deeper and deeper into sin so I left that small university and came back to LSU and one of the things I did was to join a fraternity and I became kind of an elitist person and I had the best of clothes and I had just the right haircut and I listened to just the right music and I was accepted among those individuals and these individuals generally had a lot of money and came from wealthy families and were uh, highly educated, those that were going to be doctors and lawyers and leaders and politicians when they graduated from college. And I rubbed shoulders with these individuals. And I was accepted and, and looked upon as being popular and, and I was liked. But the emptiness inside me, the guilt inside of me, that's something that I couldn't put my finger on, that I never dreamed was Jesus. That's something that would would fill the void within me. I did not have. And I continued to search for a reason. And as I looked around among these people, I didn't find anything real. Or anybody that was real. Or anybody that really was concerned about other people. And I gave that lifestyle up. And I began to seek to and fro. My grades suffered uh, greatly. And it was now that I was beginning to get more and more involved with drugs. And my motivation was beginning to be... uh, Just I had no motivation. And I went to summer school uh, in northeast Louisiana. Kind of to get away. And it was considered to be easy. I was trying to bring my grades up so I could get back in LSU because I was uh, on probation. And I met an individual there who was in the Marine Corps. And he seemed to have straightened his life out. And he had gotten in good shape. And he... He just seemed to have his his life straightened out, had found a purpose, something really to live for. I was looking for something to take a hold of, looking for some reason, some cause to really live life. I, there just seemed to be no real reason, money and, and fame and fortune. It seemed like everyone was just seeking after that type of thing, that if they could make a lot of money or or that type of thing. And I, and I was beginning to bore with that. I just didn't, I couldn't motivate myself myself. To, to to go through college just for the sake of money. And I begin to to, to to fall deeper and deeper into a bottomless pit, emptiness inside. And I met this individual, and from talking with him, I began to ponder joining the military. So it wasn't long that I began to, to go to the recruiting offices and I began to really consider joining the military. After a while, I made a decision, and I joined the Army, the infantry. I joined the 82nd Airborne, a recon platoon. And I thought that I could really find myself and really become something, really challenge myself with this. So I joined the military, and I joined on a delayed entry program, and it would be a year before I would leave. In that span of a year, I began to do more and more drugs and to drink heavier and heavier. I began to drink. I got a job. But I couldn't even show up for my job half the time. I got involved with a girl that I would met. A girl that had went to LSU. And because of the fear of moving away and joining the army. And even the fear of getting a real short haircut and changing my appearance. It scared me. I was frightful. And the thought of maybe going without a, a woman in my life. That really frightened me. So this woman that I met. I really... Uh, sought the relationship and and, and wanted the relationship to last. and, And I talked her in to moving up where I would be stationed. Which would be in North Carolina at Fort Bragg. And when I went through the schools, the basic training, the jump schools, the airborne schools, the jungle schools, the different schools that was required of me. And I was stationed at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. This girl came and moved with me. And lived with me. And we lived in sin for nearly a year. And after this, we were married. And in my days in the military, after i had received my jump wings, after I'd seen, received my red beret, after I'd gone through jump school and accomplished all the things that I wanted to accomplish in the military, I felt no more the man that I was before I left. I felt no more, no more peace. I didn't feel any real purpose And again, I began to turn to drugs and alcohol. And I immersed myself in this. And my wife as well, after we'd been married, because I was not a good husband, she began to drink heavily. And it wasn't long because I spent many hours and days and even weeks and months in the field away from home. And when I was back, I I drank heavily. And I also did drugs. There was even an occasion when my wife was in the hospital. And because I was... So in bondage to drugs, I I just refused to go see her so that I could spend the hours high on drugs and high on alcohol and drowning my sorrows in drunkenness and drug abuse. And I abused my wife in that way and neglected her. And it wasn't long before at her job she'd met a man who was selling cocaine and she got involved with him. And she entered into an adulterous relationship with him. And because of this, in this period of my life, I went through great torment. My wife rejected me and went with this other man and and committed adultery. And she entered into a relationship with him and she rejected me and moved her out of my house and moved in with him. And there was great pain in my life at this time. You know, it's a humiliating thing for a woman to commit adultery on her husband. And I was very humiliated and humbled. Even the individuals in my military unit were aware of this adulterous relationship before I was. And everyone made fun and mocked behind my back that my wife was sleeping with another man and that I didn't even know about it. So it was a very painful and dark time in my life. But after several months of of going through torment and, and different types of uh, situations that were very painful. My wife finally gave up this adulterous relationship and came back to me. But in the process, she had suffered a nervous breakdown and was submitted to a mental hospital. And in that hospital, we also found out that my wife was pregnant and because I didn't know who the child, who the father of the child was, that if it was me or, or this other individual. In my selfishness and in my wickedness, I forced my wife to go to an abortion clinic to have this child killed and murdered. And we went to the abortion clinic that day. Uh, She went in for the procedure and after uh, several minutes or possibly a half hour came out and on the way home she mentioned that she wasn't even sure that that what the doctor had done was an abortion and she was suspicious. But we both just kind of blew it off and, and put the problem behind us. Well, we found out later several months later when my wife collapsed in our apartment and began to hemorrhage that she had had a tubal pregnancy and that wicked doctor had performed that procedure and taken our money and not told us that my wife actually had tubal pregnancy and my wife was brought to the hospital by the ambulance she was in very serious condition and was hemorrhaging and losing blood pressure rapidly she was in the hospital for several weeks and then submitted back into the in the mental hospital i was able to secure a discharge from the army on the basis of my wife's mental condition and she was going through great depression and trial and, and that me continuing in the military would would hinder her recovery so i was given a medical discharge which is an honorable discharge but nevertheless early and we packed our things together and came back to baton rouge And my wife made a new dedication to our marriage. But I had not really forgiven her and the pain was deep, deep set in me. The pain and the humiliation. And inside there was much anger towards her. And we got back here, we both got jobs at at a local restaurant. And I was a waiter there. And I began to steal from that company and... And take money from that company. And I had to be at work at 5 in the afternoon. And I would work from 5 until possibly 11 at night. And I would spend all the money on drugs and alcohol. And would stay up to all hours of the night. And go to bed at at sunrise and sleep all day. And just lived a cycle of, of, of staying up all night. And neglecting my wife. And I just neglected her in that way. And I, I really just began to want to have no part in her. And she had really tried to quit drugs and she would tried to quit drinking and and tried to really make our marriage work and the more i did drugs the more she hated it and the more she hated me and, and spoke out hated me using the drugs and the more she spoke out against me using the drugs the less i wanted to be around her because drug use had just become an idol to me and i just bowed down at the altar of drug usage and it wasn't long before we were separated and finally our marriage ended in divorce and I continued to follow after this lifestyle and I had no purpose I had no peace I had no direction in my life I just went endlessly from one restaurant to the next being a waiter that's the only job I could seemingly hold where I only had to work a little bit at a time and in that business I, I was able to go to the bar and drink and, and manage to to somehow hold that job in my drug addiction and alcoholism. At one time I worked at a restaurant where, with another individual who had been in, in this, the state mental home. and He was diagnosed paranoid schizophrenic and, and manic and, and every other kind of severe mental illness he was labeled as having. And this person was so confused and so uh, lost and it didn't take you long. You talked to him for a few minutes you knew that he was, he was out of his mind. He had spent three years in in a straitjacket and and pumped up on Haldol in one of these state mental homes. he had been abused all his life, and his life was in a total shambles. And I began to date a girl that was also working with us who had been raised in a Christian school. And she was not right with God. And we had entered into a, a perverted relationship, a relationship of fornication, and she almost lived with me in my apartment. But she had been raised in the truth, and she had not been long that she had graduated from high school and graduated from that Christian school, and she could still remember the things that were taught her. And she convinced me to try to take this young man in my home and help him. And in our carnal thinking, and our our natural thinking, we just thought if he could just have a change of environment, it would help him. And there are many things that I could tell you about that happened when he moved in. But I just want you to know that this individual was absolutely out of his mind. Most people did not even want to have anything to do with him. It was only uh, because he knew the owner. His, his, his parents were friends with the owner of the restaurant that we worked at. Otherwise, he could not have held a job. He also did drugs and alcohol. And he was so handicapped and so dependent on others... And he could barely even hold a conversation. He would go from one minute talking about something that happened 2,000 years ago. And he would hallucinate and see spiders crawling up the wall and and giant rats and things of that nature. Just all types of, of craziness. And like I said, I could go into a lot of different things that happened. But I was trying to get this individual help. And this girl suggested I bring him to this church that she was raised in. And I brought him there, and eventually he accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. And I was in the room that day that he received the Holy Ghost. And I want you to know that they laid hands upon him. And the Spirit of God fell upon that man. And I could see the moving of the Spirit of God. I could literally see it with my eyes he began to shake from the top of his head and it just moved gradually down the body every nerve every muscle in his face in his eyelids began to quiver and shake and tears began to run down his face and he just lifted his hands up to heaven he began to cry out to god and say jesus save me jesus save me and he just began to speak in tongues and he was changed that day i was in the very room and i was not right with god and it put a fear within me But I could sense the presence of God in that room. And when we walked out of that church building that day, and we got in that car and began to go back to my apartment, I want you to know that that man was different. I knew he was different. It was a miracle. It was something that he could not have done himself. He could not have reformed himself. He was totally sane. Totally sane. I'm talking about a man that could not even hold a conversation. And we got in that car that day, and I can remember it was a beautiful day. There wasn't a cloud in the sky. And as we rolled down that driveway of that church and out, uh, out the front driveway, I can remember him saying, I've never seen the grass like this. I've never heard the birds sing like this. I've never seen the trees like this and the clouds and the sky and the sun. Look at the sun. Look how beautiful. I've never seen it like this before. He said, I've been in bondage all my life. I've been shackled and chained. I, I feel alive. I feel whole. And all he wanted to do was talk about Jesus. All he wanted to do was talk about Jesus Christ. And I observed it and saw it. I'm talking about this man was totally set free. But, you know, he didn't know any Christians. And he didn't know anybody. Yeah, we went to church a few times with him. And even in the, in these churches, it made an impression upon me. I'd never been to church service like, church services like these, where these people would lift their hands and they would cry and worship God and, and, and speak about Jesus. And I thought to myself, well, these people, they're crazy. But deep within, I knew that they, they would not do that. Now, I had no desire inside of me to, to carry a Bible or to speak about Jesus or to, or to praise God. God was not dealing with me at this time. I was hardened to the gospel. I can remember many nights I I spent high on drugs, mocking and ridiculing the TV preachers and those that begged for money. I just mocked and ridiculed them and made fun. But during this period of time, God began to break me and show me that there was really a God. That Jesus was real and alive. That he had truly risen from the dead and was alive today. I saw him working in this man's life. And in these church services, I felt something and recognized something real, something true and something sincere. But it wasn't long before I had to get this man out of my apartment because I couldn't deal with him speaking about Jesus. See, I was living in the kingdom of darkness and he was living in the kingdom of light. And I didn't want to have anything to do with him. So I kicked him out of my apartment. And I I just broke off the relationship with him. And he didn't have any Christian friends or any fellowship or any example to to minister to him or to disciple to him. It wasn't long before he was backslidden. But this was the start of God beginning to move and work in my life. And during the next year, God began to severely deal with me. I began to open up the Bible and read it and seek. And I began to ponder my situation. I began to say to myself, what if there is a God? What if Jesus is real? What if He is coming back? Am I washed in the blood? Am I right with God? I begin to wonder, and the fear of death would grip me. The fear of hell would grip me. I remember I read a book by Hal Lindsey called "The Great Late Planet Earth" about the tribulation period, about the Book of Revelations. About the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That he was coming back, as the word of God says, with a, for a church without a spot, blemish, and wrinkle. And what would be the fate of those left behind? Oh, and I used to wake up every day, even when the sun was bright and shiny. And I would go out and I would just feel depressed. I would feel gloomy. And I would look up in the clouds and in the sky. And I would think, Jesus could come back today and I'll be left behind. Jesus could come back today and I would be left behind. And that thought would haunt me and convict me. And as I said, I began to seek and and look through the pages in the Bible. But I didn't want to forsake sin. I didn't want to forsake the things that I loved. The partying, the drug usage, the the running my own life. I had plans for my own life. I had plans to go out to to California and to study, playing guitar. I had dreams of, of producing and making my own music. And these plans, I didn't want to give up to follow Jesus. But during this year, I would I would go through periods of conviction. And at times, I would resist the Spirit of God and grieve the Spirit of God off of me. And in these periods when the Spirit of God would leave me and the conviction would leave me, I would think to myself, I've got time. I've got plenty of time left. I can turn to God any time down the road. I'll serve God one day, but right now, I'm going to live my life. But I went through periods where the Spirit of God would come and go and deal with me. And about three months before I finally surrendered my life to Jesus, I I was so bound by drugs, I couldn't even sleep at night. At this period in my life, I was drinking about a fifth of liquor a day. If not hard liquor, I would drink the equivalent, a case of beer or a gallon of wine a day. I would smoke two to three packs of cigarettes daily. I would smoke about a quarter ounce of weed every two or three days or marijuana pot, that's what you call it. I would do cocaine, any types of drugs, Valium, placidils, any kind of pills I could get my hands on. I began to dabble with hallucinogenics and LSD. I got so involved with LSD that I I stayed uh, tripping on LSD more than I did sober. And I would do two and three hits at a time. And sometimes in a period of 24 hours, I might do eight, nine hits. I would stay high on LSD sometimes days at a time. And I would even begin to party in graveyards and go late at night, staying up all night, going to graveyards in different areas, not knowing why I was drawn there. I can remember during this period that I was so tormented. I so wanted to be free from the drugs. I so wanted to get rid of this and and straighten my life up. But I was so bound. I hated reality. I was in such pain that I wanted to stay numb to it all. And I can remember one night I did a a lot of hallucinogenics and LSD and I can remember I stayed in my apartment all alone and I stripped down till I was completely naked and I squatted in front of a mirror and contorted my face up and stared at myself for hours on end making faces that I could not make. And some of you out there who have experienced uh, trips on LSD, you might think, well, you were just hallucinating. You were just on an acid trip. You were on a bad trip. I'm telling you, no, it was spiritual. I was full of devils and demons. And my face was contorting up, and, and I was miserable. I can remember trying to lay down and sleep that night and rolling around in bed, hearing thousands, millions of voices in my head, cackling and laughing and mocking me. And I knew that I was damned. I finally came to the conclusion that I was lost and that if I died, I would end up in hell. And three months before I met the Lord Jesus Christ, one night I tried to sleep and could not. And the Spirit of God began to deal with me in a mighty way. He said, I have called you. I have a purpose for you. Come to me. Repent, repent and believe the gospel. My blood was shed for you. Come to me. I have a purpose for you. I am your creator. I made you and molded you for a specific and distinct purpose. And these type thoughts and convictions just were going around in my head. And I couldn't sleep. I couldn't shut them off. I tried to think about something else. I can remember after rolling around for several hours, I got up and went downstairs. I tried to drink it away. I tried to smoke it away. I tried to do drugs and drowned it out. But as I went upstairs and went back to bed, I couldn't go to sleep. The Spirit of God was dealing with me. The Spirit of God was wooing me and calling me to repentance. And finally I sat up in bed and said, Lord, I will do anything you want me to do. And when those words left my mouth, I immediately went to sleep. But when I woke up the next morning, I said, no, I can't do it. I'm not ready to do it. I still have plans for my own life. And I just rejected the spirit of God and turned my back on the commitment I had made and the spirit of God was grieved away from me for the next several months I entered into a hardened state and thought that, that possibly later I would serve God but I was not interested I got a new job that I worked 12 hours by myself I worked shift work I'd work three days on and two days off two days on three days off at the time i was uh, another individual and i would spend all my time off on drugs playing music playing all types of music demonically inspired music we would send up hours on him playing music and drinking and i told him one night i told him i said i know what i need i know what i need to do to have peace i know what i need to do god is dealing with me I know that I have a purpose and a calling, that God wants to use me. But I've been rejecting his voice. And I can remember this man thinking that I was crazy, that I'd taken too many drugs. And he just blew it off and and considered it uh, something that I had said under the influence of drugs. But I began to realize that God was dealing with me and that it was time for me to come to the Lord. And one night I went into work. I worked 12 hours by myself. And when I stepped into the place that I worked god stepped into the room and so did satan and there began to be a struggle for my soul and god began to deal with me like he's never dealt with me before he began to show me my condition and i saw myself as god saw me wicked and unclean i saw myself raising a fist of rebellion in the face of jesus christ saying, I'll not serve you. Away with the blood of Jesus. I don't want it. I begin to see myself every time I'd sinned, every time I had fornicated, every time I'd used the name of the Lord in vain, every time I had stolen, every time I had lied, every sin that I'd committed, that I'd turned my back on God, and that I was an abomination in the sight of God. And oh it just the weight of sin. I felt the weight of sin upon my back. And for three days and three nights I felt this horrible conviction I thought I was going to lose my mind If I didn't get right with God And I would drive back and forth from work And I would try to smoke cigarettes And I'd be so convicted I'd put them out And I'd try to drink a beer I, I was just so convicted of the sin I'd take a sip and I'd, I'd put it down And it was just such a struggle And such, a, such a, a wrestling with the Spirit of God And God was calling me to surrender my life And on the third night in my apartment after taking a shower, I knelt down on the floor. Earlier that day when I went across the street, the Spirit of God spoke to me. What, what do you mean by that? Did He speak to you? He spoke to you audibly? No, I mean He spoke to me in my, in my heart, in my mind. I knew it was God dealing with me. And He said, son, you've seen things that even Christians have not seen. I have dealt with you like I have not dealt with other people. I have a purpose and a calling for you. And if you reject my spirit this time, I will be grieved from you and I will never come upon you again. And your your damnation will be fixed. And that terrified me. You know, the Bible says that Jesus said, No man come to me lest the Father draw him. You wouldn't even be listening to this tape if it wasn't for the Spirit of God dealing with you. You wouldn't even be interested in listening to the Word of God unless the Spirit of God was drawing you. Repentance originates with God. And God's Spirit was dealing with me. And that night later in the apartment, I was tired of running my life. I'd made a total mess of my life. I was tired of trying to control my life. And I can remember on a little apartment, in a little apartment on Nicholson and Drive, I knelt down in my bedroom, and I said, Lord Jesus, I surrender all. I said, Lord, I surrender all, all my talents, all my abilities, I give to you. Everything about me, I give to you. I bow down at your feet. I knew the cost. I had counted the cost. The Bible says, count the cost. I knew that it would cost everything. I said, Lord, I don't care what you ask me to do. I will do it. I could remember just kneeling down there, putting my face on the ground. I didn't know how to pray. I didn't say some little cute prayer that was written down. I just cried out to God. I said, Lord, save me. I need you. I'm helpless without you. I'm destined to fail. I'm miserable and lost in my sin." Lord wash me and cleanse me in the blood of Jesus and be my Lord and take control of my life and I got up off that floor and I can remember I walked downstairs and I felt clean for the first time in my life I felt clean I felt the burden of sin off my back You see, during those times of conviction, I had felt the burden, the mountain of sin, the ugly black mountain of sin upon my back. And I was carrying it. And I saw Jesus Christ, who truly loved me, whom I had rejected and spit upon and wanted to have nothing to do all my life with Jesus Christ. I saw him, his love, that he had died upon the cross, was nailed, beaten that he had died the most humiliating, agonizing death to set me free. And I had rejected it all my life. And I saw that I was unworthy. That I didn't deserve the sacrifice that Jesus had made upon the cross. But when I knelt down in that apartment. And bowed down before God and asked him to forgive me. He took that mountain of sin off my back. <laughs> that mountain of sin off my back. And when I got up, the greatest feeling of gratitude filled me. The greatest feeling of love filled me for Him. All I wanted to do was worship Jesus. I didn't deserve His mercy. I didn't deserve His grace. But He cleansed me and washed me anyway. It's by the grace of God we're saved. You see, God puts a love within us. In the book of Ezekiel the promise is made I will remove your heart of stone I will give you a heart of flesh I will write my laws upon your inward part and I would put my spirit within you and I will cause you the Lord God I will cause you to walk in all my ways you see that's why Jesus said a man must be born again he must have such an experience that all his friends and all his family would not recognize him. That the old man would die. You see, that day the old Brit Williams died. That old sinful man that was bound by drugs and sin was 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 put away and died. And when I got off that off that floor, I was raised up in the likeness of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus had paid the price for my sin. Jesus had paid the price to to so that he could break the bondage of my sin. And he was raised from the dead. And when he walked out of that tomb 2,000 years ago, that was not some isolated moment in history. But I'm telling you, when I kneeled down in that apartment that night and got up, I walked out of that tomb with him. I walked out with life. I walked out free from sin I was different I couldn't explain it I didn't have theological words for it I didn't know the Bible I didn't know anybody in church I didn't know even one Christian but I knew that I had been changed when I walked downstairs I tried to smoke the rest of the cigarettes I had and I could not I tried to smoke the rest of the dope that I had I could not I threw it away I tried to drink the rest of the beer that I had but I could not I I knew that I would never do drugs again I knew in my heart that I would never need cigarettes or alcohol again I knew that I had been set free I had been cleansed and washed by the blood of Jesus Christ I was changed instantly in a twinkling of an eye I had been born again by the spirit of God and my friends didn't recognize me even my boss who I worked for two weeks later I had quit my job and when he saw me he did not even recognize me. I had not changed my outward appearance any. But my countenance had so changed. And I can remember I didn't know any songs. I didn't know any uh, verses. I didn't know uh, any, anything about serving God. But I had met Jesus. I didn't join a church. I didn't get baptized. I didn't meet the Pope or shake a preacher's hand. I met Jesus Christ. I'm telling you I met the Son of God. That's what Christianity is. It is a relationship. That's what eternal life is. It is having relationship and fellowship with the father through the son, Jesus Christ. My parents thought I went crazy. My friends thought I went crazy. They didn't want to hang around me anymore. All I wanted to do was talk about Jesus. All I wanted to do was praise God. I can remember I just used to sing this one little song. It was the only song I remembered from Sunday school.
1: Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, little ones too.
0: only song i knew and i would sing it over and over again over and over again tears running down my face tears running down my face i want you to know that god restored my life he gave me a new wife he gave me a marriage that was godly ordained and sanctioned by the word of god he gave me a new job he healed my mind and healed my body He delivered me from sin and he called me to preach. My life has never been the same. My life has never been empty again. The emptiness and the void inside has been filled by Jesus Christ. I now have a purpose, an eternal purpose. Now I'm filled with the peace of God, the love of God. I've met Jesus Christ. I'm here to testify to you today that I have met the Son of God. And that is the desire of God for you, that you would meet the Son of God. He died for you. He shed His blood for you, that you might have fellowship with the Father through Jesus Christ. His blood was shed, that you might be set free from the bondage of sin. You might say, no, I, I'm not in bondage to sin. But, sir, you're deceived because the Bible says that there is no not one righteous, no not one good, no not one that seeketh after God. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says that the wages of that sin is death. Have you ever sinned? Well, the wages of that sin was death. And you are dead in your sins and trespasses. And you are in need of life. And Jesus Christ is the life that you need. Listen to the word of God in Isaiah, chapter 55, verse 6 through 8. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found, and call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Listen to the word of God in John, chapter 3, starting with verse 16. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be manifest, that they are wrought in God. And look at the last verse, verse 36. He that believeth on the Son. And that word believeth, I want you to know, does not believe, does not mean acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God. The devils do that. The Bible says in James chapter 2 that even the devils believe there is one God and they tremble with fear. But they're certainly not saved, nor are they going to heaven because they don't obey the gospel and they don't make Jesus the Lord of their life. That word believeth means to totally trust a pen, to throw yourself upon. Amen. It means something more than just acknowledging that Jesus is the Son of God. Verse 36 says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth upon him. Look what Jesus said in Luke chapter 13, verse 3. The Lord Jesus speaking, saying, I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Look at the gospel of Mark, the Lord Jesus Christ speaking again in in chapter 16, verses 15 through 18. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents of any deadly thing. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Look at the book of Revelations, the last chapter in the Bible. And look what it says in verse 17. And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is athirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Jesus Christ offers you life. Jesus Christ offers you freedom from sin. He said, Ye shall know the truth, and that truth shall make you free. Jesus Christ, His hands are extended. He offers you Life. What will you do with the blood of Jesus Christ? In the book of Revelations, the third chapter, the twentieth verse, Jesus again saying, "Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and I will sup or commune with him, and he with me." I want you to know right now, you that is li- you that are listening to this tape, the Son of God is calling you to repentance. The son of God stands at the door of your heart and calls to you and says, repent ye, repent ye, repent ye. That's what he says. Jesus stands at the door and knocks. His hands have still bear the, the, the scars of the nails. His feet still bear the scars of the nails that were driven through his feet. His head is still scarred. With the crown of thorns that was plunged in his forehead. The blood streaming down. His side has still the scar where the Roman soldier plunged the sword in. And the water and the blood came out. I want you to know that Jesus stands there. He stands there with a the solution for every sin. He has the keys of life and death. He has the power to set you free from every sin if you will only forsake them and come to him what will you do with the blood of jesus will you receive it will you answer the call will you let jesus come in and control your life will you wash yourself in the blood of jesus christ or will you say no away with the blood away with the blood i'll have nothing to do with it what will you do with the blood of jesus What will you do with the blood of Jesus? The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today, God is calling you to repentance. This moment, God is calling you to repentance. There is no guarantee that you will ever hear a gospel message again. And if you do, there is no guarantee that you will respond to it like now. Your heart is beating out of its chest. You can feel the conviction of God. God is calling you. Let me tell you something. The work of the Holy Spirit is to convict. The apostle Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and preached a gospel message. And the Jews came to him and said their hearts were pricked. What should we do to be saved? I want you to know the Spirit of God comes to convict of sin. And the sin is unbelief. The sin is unbelief. Unbelief in Jesus. Unsurrendered lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit convicts and irritates the heart. So that the heart will recognize that it needs Jesus. I want to ask you something. If I took a fingernail file and I just took your hand and wore out a little spot on there just rubbing that fingernail file across uh, say the knuckle on your thumb and I just wore a sore out there and then I came and let it let it heal for 24 hours and I came back and did it again. you know when I first began to do that, you'd be able to feel pain. it would be excruciating and the more I rubbed on it with that fingernail file, the more excruciating it would be and irritating it would be. But if I just came every 24 hours and let it heal and just kept doing it over and over. You know, it wouldn't be too long before that thing would be calloused. And if you turned your head and couldn't see your hand and I was rubbing on it with that fingernail file, there would, there would be a point when your finger would be so calloused you wouldn't even know that I was rubbing on your finger. I want you to know if you resist the Spirit of God, you are hardening your heart. And there will come a day that you will not. Feel the Spirit of God dealing with you. The Bible says that the Spirit of God will not strive with men forever. Look at the book of Proverbs, chapter 1, verse 20, which says, Wisdom crieth without, she uttereth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the cheap places of concourse, in the openings of the gates. In the city she uttereth her words, saying, how long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity, and the scorners delight in their scorning, and the fools hate knowledge? Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit upon you. I will make known my words unto you. But because I have called and you refused, I have stretched out my hand, and no man regarded. But ye have said it not all my counsel, and would none of my reproof. Then I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation. And your destruction cometh as a whirlwind. When distress and anguish cometh upon you. Then shall they call upon me. But I will not answer. They shall seek me early. But they shall not find me. For that they hated knowledge. And did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Will you despise the counsel of God this moment? Will you despise the wooing and conviction of the Spirit of God? Will you reject the blood of Jesus and the fear of the Lord even now? Woe unto those who reject the call of God. Woe unto you if you will not surrender to the Spirit of God when this truth has been revealed to you. How long will you love simplicity? How long will the scorners delight they're scorning I'm telling you there is a day coming when your heart will be so hard you will not receive the gospel you could die tonight as the Bible says tonight thou fool your soul will be required to thee as Jesus said what would a man give in exchange for his soul it's not worth it to reject and to resist the spirit of God you might say I have plenty of time I can get right with God tomorrow Oh, my friend, tomorrow is not promised. Look what the Word of God says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. But the Lord is not slack concerning His promises, as some men count slackness, but is longsuffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fever heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Look what the book of Jude says verses 14 and 15. Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him my friend you may think you're not that bad you may think you're not that wicked you may think that what you do is not wrong but i tell you there is coming a day and hour when jesus christ the king of kings and the lord of lords the alpha and the omega the beginning and the ending the root of david he is coming back He is coming back on a white horse. And he is going to convince all sinners of their wickedness. There is coming a day of judgment, my friend. There is coming a day of reckoning. Are you ready for the day of judgment? Are you ready to stand before God? Oh, I beg you to examine yourself. I beg you to ponder your fate. You don't know your fate if you reject the love of God. If you reject the sin offering. Of the Lamb of God Who is without spot, blemish or wrinkle The Christ, the Messiah Jesus, Jesus, Jesus Yes, He's coming back Jesus is coming back The first time He came as a Lamb Oh, He carried a cross of mercy A mercy A cross of mercy for you and me But this time He is coming back Carrying a sword of judgment He is coming back As the Lion of Judah The word of God, faithful and true, worthy to make war. I tell you, he's coming back as judge with the flames, with eyes filled with flames of fire. You need to get right with God, you need to repent and believe the gospel. Say, What must I do? Bible says in Romans chapter 10 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I tell you what you need to do is repent and believe the gospel. What is repentance? True repentance sees oneself desperately lost. It's a feeling of unworthy, of unworthiness unworthiness deep sorrow for the sins one has committed in disobedience to God, which is what? A wretched lifestyle of sin. It means asking God to forgive you, turning away from sin and rebellion, and humbly surrendering yourself to God and starting to obey Him. Repentance means a total change in lifestyle and direction. You no longer run your life. You allow Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God to be the Lord and Savior of your entire life you make a decision and a commitment to the Lord Jesus to completely change the way you're living until you repent and receive the Lord Jesus Christ and commit your life to follow you are indeed lost my friend I'm not going to beg you and God is not going to beg you God commands you to repent right now I'm going to ask you to make a decision The Bible says that God has set blessings and cursings before you. He has set life and death before you. Choose this day whom you shall serve. Will it be the Lord Jesus Christ or will you continue in your selfish lifestyle in servitude to the devil? What shall you do? If you want to serve Jesus Christ, if you want to repent, I'm going to tell you I cannot save you. I cannot help you. A preacher cannot help you. A church cannot help you. Only Jesus Christ can set you free from sin. And if you want to to repent and make Jesus the Lord of your life, I want you to bow down right now and kneel down and go to God in prayer. And I want you to pray to God. Don't pray to me. And I'm just going to give you a format. I'm going to give you an example of a prayer that you can pray. Just pray this with me to God. Dear God, I see my need of your forgiveness. I confess and forsake my sins. Asking for your mercy extended through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I yield my life to him to be my Lord and Savior. And vow with your help to read your word daily and obey what I read. In Jesus name I pray. Amen. If you reject the message that I've given you. And you reject the word that I've spoken to you. I want you to pray this prayer with me. God, I refuse to acknowledge my sins, nor will I obey your commandment to repent. I am the fool spoken of who heard your sayings and did not obey them. On judgment day, I will have no one to blame but myself. Only hell will convince me of my error. I want to thank you for your time. If you've been brought to repentance by this tape, we'd love to hear from you. I have a campus ministry on LSU's campus called Consuming Fire Ministries. And currently I can be reached at a telephone number, which is 334-0043. This is an extension of Redeeming Word of Life Ministries at 871 O'Neill Lane, pastored by David Diamond. The phone numbers there are 272-4519 and 272-4530. We would love to hear from you, love to fellowship with you, love for you to come out and worship with us. So please contact us.